0: We just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to study. We ask you to guide and lead us. Let your Holy Spirit fill this room and allow us to get everything done. And you want us to do in Jesus' name, amen. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be starting at verse 9 to help everybody get caught up where where we're at. For those who haven't been here the last week, uh, it started out with uh, Paul talking about how we desire to do evil he, tell, he goes on to say that uh, we don't war after the flesh. We war after the spirit and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He says we're to cast down all imaginations and keep, take captive all, all imaginations. And it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. He says that we would bring every thought into obedience to Christ. And uh, that's where he's basically leaving off uh, as, as we left off last week. So at verse 9 that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters, for his letters say that they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such as we will be also indeed when we are present. And for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. <coughs> All right, so we're looking here and Paul says, you know, many of you are accusing me of being very harsh in letters and not so in person. He's basically defending that position. And we looked at that before and he was saying, my attitude is that I would rather be hard on you in letters and gentle to with you in person so that I don't have to be hard on you in person because you guys basically saying you're also screwed up I'm trying to get you corrected before I get there <laughs> okay and we've talked about this the Corinthian church was a pretty messed up church the first letter he's condemning them for many things the big big thing that he condemned them for is that there was a man in the church sleeping with his mother-in-law And he says, he thinks it's okay, you think it's okay, God doesn't think it's okay, if he won't repent, kick him out. Then there's a letter between that one and this one that we have, where he repents and they don't let him back in the church. (laughs) So he starts this letter with, he's repented, (laughs) let him back in the church. And this is something that we find so often with Christians, that we can come down so hard on somebody and they might need it when they, when we do it but we've got to get ready to forgive them when they've repented when they've corrected their life and this is part of why he was saying we don't war after the flesh we don't think after the flesh we don't act after the flesh because one of the hard things for us to do sometimes is when somebody gets saved especially and all of a sudden their life changes give them the grace to stand before God as a changed person and we've seen this over and over with people where they go about, they, they get changed, they've repented, and people just won't give them even a chance. Now, that does not mean in a church that you take a thief and say, okay, you've become, you become a Christian and you've repented. Here, you can have the keys to the church. No, but you at least give them the the opportunity to do things once in a while. You keep an eye on them. If they prove themselves worthy, you say, yes, okay, we're going to... Now let you be able to take and do things because God says He's changing us. He's trying to make us new, and this is why we know no person after the flesh, because we can get so tied up in what they were. You know, and I use thief because it's kind of an easy one for people to. But there's all kinds of things. If you have somebody who's a liar, you know, you have to when they get saved and they repented of their lying, give them a chance. You know, start believing some of what they say. Uh, And this is what Paul is trying to build up. He goes, if somebody repents, you forgive them. And again, it doesn't mean you're going to give them, you know, uh, if you're married to somebody who's an abuser, you don't give them a chance to move right back in and abuse you all over again until they've they've proven that they've been changed. But, you know, this whole thing comes down to, are we at least willing to say God can change lives? If we're not willing to let God change lives, we've got a bigger problem. And that was where we talked about this morning when Paul was on the road to Damascus and Ananias was told to go witness to Paul. Now that had to be the scariest thing that ever could be told him to do. He goes, you know, God says, I want you to witness to him. I know, I know he's been one that puts you into prison, people into prison and wants to get to the rest of the Christians, but he's a changed man and I want you to go talk to him. Now, most of us have not had that experience necessarily in our life, but you know, it's something we have to be willing to do. If God leads us to do something, okay, God, we're going to see, we're going to give that shot. And not every time is it going to be something that somebody's changed. But we at least have to be willing to say that person's changed. And it's a hard thing for us because we want to look at them after the flesh. Well, God, I've known that person for 15 years. They, they've never changed. And God says, I got hold of their heart this time. And we want to be ready to look at that. And... Um, Paul says that his letters are weighty. They are powerful. Uh, And that's part of what they were saying to him. That You you have a lot of power and weight in your letters. You you stand authoritative. And then they go, but Paul had some interesting things. He says, but his bodily presence was weak and his speech contemptible. The picture of Paul in history is a short man, fairly fat, had speech impediments, (laughs) and had a High squeaky voice, not necessarily the the picture of the evangelist and, and church planter that you would think of. That's not how they pictured him. That's what I heard last week. <laughs> but Hollywood's got a picture, and as a you know, a nice-looking guy. You know, otherwise, he wouldn't have had his had his uh, his stance on it. But you know, this is the picture that Paul that that picture of, that we were given of Paul. Uh, when he had power and authority from the Sanhedrin, you know he could carry himself really well. And but you know God gave him power and gave him authority. But people go, you know, who is that man? He's a man that you would walk into the church and he'd be the last person you'd pick out to be the pastor of the church. Uh, he just didn't look the part. And uh, that's what they're saying. You know, his speech was contemptible. They couldn't. They didn't like listening to him. And yet when he spoke, he would speak for hours. Uh, in Acts, it talks about, them, about him speaking so long that he started sometime around dinner time and at midnight, the guy fell out the window. Okay? Uh, fell, asleep, fell asleep in the window, the window and fell out. Paul stopped the, message, stopped the message for a little while, went out, prayed over him, so he resurrected and went right back and preached again. Okay? Okay? Uh, not too many people put up with long sermons like that and you have to be touched by God because if his voice was as hard to listen to, it had to have come straight from God. And it's, it's fun when you're with a group that wants to learn and you just keep going and going and going. And Paul obviously didn't know when to stop. Uh, I don't think I've ever been in a message that was six hours long and then, then went and continued. I've been in some long messages and good messages but never a six hour mer- message. Uh, my Dad went overseas one time, and they started preaching at at five o 'clock and they were wanting to end at six o 'clock because they'd been uh, end at midnight because they were had been traveling all day, and the people go, "No, we want more i 've not had that experience yet uh, but you know it's it 's really great to know that when god 's in the middle of it, people want what 's being presented and here he 's telling them, you know people are saying that you know i 'm awfully hard on on you in letters, and then I'm not there, and then verse 11 says, let such as one as thinks this, that such as we are in word and letters when we are absent, such will we be also with you indeed when we're present. He says, I'm the same man. I'm, I'm coming hard. I'm coming hard if I need to, but he says, he's been saying over and over, my goal is to be gentle. Most good pastors want to be gentle with their people. Uh, there are times when you have to be hard. You have to hit hit a message and hit it hard, and and people don't like to hear what's being preached. But, you know, ideally our goal is to, you know, good pastors anyway, is to be gentle with their people and lead them into where they want to be. Uh, but, you know, there are times when you just have to say, this is it. This is what God says, and this is the only answer, and this is what they were accusing Paul of. You know, Paul says, hey, if you want me to be that way, I can be that way. You want me to be hard in your presence and, I can be that way, I can just I can hammer you all the time if that's what you really want. They didn't want it. One of the things about people is we like to complain. People like to complain. Uh, you can have the best service, the best workplace, whatever, and people are going to find something to gripe about. It's just the way the flesh is, it, it, the flesh wants to gripe. And here he's saying, I can be this, if that's really what you want, I can be this person. I don't think it's what you want, but I can be that person if that's what you want. And you know, it's an amazing thing that how many people are just never happy, ever. Doesn't matter what's going on in their life, they just can't be pleased with anything. They get that 30 second pleasure and they gotta to, got to immediately turn on the, 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 complaint, the complaint side of them to get rid of it. And here Paul saying, you want me to be that person? I can be that person. If you want me to be the, the hard person and, and not be saying anything good about you, I can, I can do that. And we see this so often in our workplace and our things. Comedies like to make fun of it. You know, they, they show somebody getting what they thought they wanted, and it's not what they wanted, which is true of us as well. You know, Whenever we think we want something in the flesh and we finally do get it, it doesn't please near as much as we thought it would. We see that with the, the athletes, the, the actors, the singers. They get all their fame and fortune and, and find out that well, it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, you get very charismatic and get lots of friends. and You find out friends aren't, every, aren't, aren't the end all. And we need to keep this in mind. We have an empty spot in our heart that only God can fill. It's an infinite-sized gap that only God can fill because he's the only infinite being that can fill it. We can try to stuff it full of good works, buildings, programs, uh, benevolence, uh, fame, fortune, money. It will never be filled because only God can fill it. And that's what the book of... uh, Ecclesiastes is all about. Solomon was rich enough to try to fill his life with everything but God. And we go through those sections. And he goes, hey, I built magnificent palaces and gardens. And he goes, I collected all the wines and the food. I had the best of the foods. I, uh, indications that he tried all the drugs that were in their day. He goes, I even tried women. I tried this. I tried that. And he says, everything was vanity. Nothing filled that emptiness. And this is why a relationship with God is all that really matters when it comes down to it. You know, if I am in a relationship with God, nothing else matters. But the good news is then God can give me, as long as I'm happy with him, he can give me whatever else he wants to give me. And as long as I stay focused on him, I can be happy still and be able to be, use his gifts to bless others. Uh, we have many people that have been wealthy over the years that have been really following God, and some of them were well-known because they gave 90% of everything they made, lived on 10%, and were still millionaires. Now, that's very rare for people that are rich to, to keep serving God because you get into that place of, well, you know, I don't need you, God, anymore. I've got everything I want. And this is, a, this is what ends up happening. is why most Christians will never be blessed with great wealth and great fame because we have this tendency to say, okay, God, I've I've got, what else do I need? I don't need you anymore. And we've seen this, and I've, I've seen it over and over where people get blessed. They're serving God. They're giving to God, giving more than even 10% away to God. And then all of a sudden, they get a little bit of money. And they have all their toys. They have a boat and motorcycles and quads and a cabin up in the, you know, up down at the beach, or up in the mountains, or whichever it might be, and then all of a sudden you don't see them anymore, and you finally get to well, where have you been? Well, you know, I've been up skiing at the cabin. I've been down at the beach at the at the at the house. You know, we've been riding our quads. You know, and they take the gifts that God gave them to bless them, and forget God, and it is so easy to forget God, and this is why I say we always have to be face- looking at Him and saying. We seek the giver of the gifts, not the gifts, because it is so easy to get wrapped up in the gifts, and it doesn't even have to be physical gifts. There's Christians who get wrapped up in, well, you know, every time I pray for somebody, they get healed, and they get wrapped up in that gift and forget God is the one that's the gift, is the healer, and they forget that God is the one that is the healer, and whatever else it might be. Some pastors end up getting, you know, as as uh, Loretta says, I can't get the big head. She's got to help me not keep the big head, you know. <laughs> they, they get a good church. They build the church. People are, people are listening to them, following them, and all of a sudden they start getting to the place where they start thinking somehow it's something they have done rather than what God has done. And, uh, and we want to be very careful about always looking to God as the giver and focusing on him. And the more, if we can just stay focused on him, what blessings he would give us. <laughs> you know, if we just stay focused on him, the blessings that he would give us physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, But the greatest blessing of all is just the peace, the mental peace that God gives us. And so we look at this and Paul saying that, that this is how it is. Verse twelve, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some to commend themselves, but measure themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. This is something that all people tend to do, especially when you go out witnessing. It's so fun, you know, you think you're going to make it, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it, why? Well, I'm a pretty good person. Compared to what? And I've shared with you, I go out of the prison, I talk to these guys, all the guys in the prison are good guys. They are better than most of the people they know. Most of the people they know are other prisoners, but they're better than the other prisoners. But you know, this is the way we tend to think. We very rarely will say, let me see, I'm, who can I pick to choose my, to compare myself? I think I'll compare myself to Mother Teresa, who gave everything that she had, and she wasn't even good, you know, but you know, by human standards, she was pretty good. So nobody would dare compare themselves to Mother Teresa. They're gonna pick the, the bum and drunk on the street, you know, the person who goes to jail for, 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 thief, for stealing. Uh, the person who can't tell the truth and go, well, I'm better, see, I'm be, God, I'm better than those people. And God says, Well, I have one comparison for you. How do you match up to my son? None of us match up to Jesus. Mother Teresa doesn't match up to Jesus. Uh, because we have a sin issue. And sin separates us from God. And it's a huge gulf. Now, sometimes our good works might get us over that gulf a little bit but it's never going to get us enough to even jump the rest of the way because sin is such a big issue. And Paul is saying, you know, people compare themselves. You know, we've got pastors who compare themselves to other pastors. We've got Christians who compare themselves to other Christians. We've got, you know, and the only problem with comparison is that it's no good at all. (laughs) Uh, If you compare yourself to somebody who's better, you feel inadequate. Whether you perceive as better, you feel inadequate. If you're Comparing yourself to somebody who's less than you, you feel superior and you can get prideful. Comparison is not what we're asked to do. We're to live before God, and God has a personal plan for each one of us. And this is why I keep saying, you know, I've walked with God for 40 years. I've gotten a lot of things out of my life. There's a lot of stuff to get out of my life. But I can't take my 40 years of experience and say, well, how come, you know, you've been saved for three weeks. Why, why, why aren't you there? You know, it just doesn't work. That comparison doesn't work. What's really bad though is if you've been walking for God for a long time, you get somebody who's been saved for a year and they're, they're just flying along and getting all these changes in their life and you really feel bad then, you know, But the point is, Paul is saying, don't do it. It's foolish, it's unwise. Because when we start looking at what we do compared to others, we're never going to feel satisfied. We look at somebody that's better than us and say, well, God, you're, not, you're just not using me. I don't know why I should even be trying. Or We look at somebody that's less than us and go, oh, wow, look, at me. Yeah, I, I've got this all made. I, I'm, I'm better than these people. And again, God will bring in Jesus and say, well, how do you compare to my son? When we stand at the Bema Seat, all we're going to be doing is taking what did we let God do in our life? And he's going to say, everything else is burnt up. And remember, I've said this, you know, in the beam of seat, we'll put all of our works, and some of it is wood, hay, and stubble, and some of it is silver, gold, and precious gems. Well, one of the things I saw is, stubble is not worth anything. You, know, you can't even feed animals with stubble. You know, it's, just, it, it's worthless. The hay, you can feed animals with. You can make hay, hay bales. You can do things with. Wood is pretty substantial. And wood, you can make some things in, and they seem to be pretty good from a human perspective. But Jesus said, and God says, well, you did that. It was good. People were blessed by it. But it was you doing it, and your righteousness doesn't stand in front of me, so it burns. Much of what's done in the name of God is wood. Well, we're doing it in our own strength. We're not listening to God, we're just doing. I shared this with a bunch of pastors. I go, you know, most of what we as pastors do is wood. The people are being blessed on it. They may get gold, silver, and precious gems from what we do, but we're doing a lot of things because pastors are paid to teach. We have to get up Sunday morning and preach. That's what we're paid to do, okay? Uh, Whether we feel like it, whether we've been in the word, whether whether God's leading us, whether we're right with God, we're we're to stand up in that pulpit and preach. And sometimes it is good stuff. I mean, we've been studying the Bible for years and, and everything, people get blessed. But there's times when I get up there and I go, I know it's me. And there's times I get up there and I go, that wasn't me. There's times when I get up there and I go, that wasn't even what I planned on preaching. Uh, Many times I get up there and it's not what I planned on preaching. Hmm. The, The verses are the same, but nothing else goes the way it is. And you go, that's when God has done something. What it's done, I don't know until I get to heaven and he says, you know, shows me what had happened. Or somebody comes up and says, you know, hey, I really got this out of it. And, you know. God is saying, don't compare ourselves with one another. And this is something that's so important for us. We are filled by God and God works in us. Somebody who's walking with God and and leading with God and talking for God can say the most amazing things. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's been times when I've been witnessing to people and all of a sudden I've been speaking and I'm going, wow, I didn't even know I knew this kind of stuff. You know, because God is all of a sudden taken over, and it's almost like you're just sitting there listening to yourself. Well, wow, there's a, quite, quite, quite interesting things coming out of this mouth, you know. But it's God that does it, and Paul's saying, don't compare yourselves amongst each other. He says, I'm not comparing myself with Peter or, or John or any of those other guys. He says, I'm I'm Paul. And he's not comparing himself to Apollos and Peter and all those guys. And the Corinthian church, they were so, they were so wonderfully spirit, spirit, spiritual, they go, some of them are saying, well, I'm a follower of Paul, others are saying, I'm a follow, follower of Apollos, I'm a I'm follow And some of the really, really spiritual ones, I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, if Jesus didn't say it, it wasn't worth, worth teaching. Which is one of my problems with red letter editions of the Bible is people sometimes will say, well, it's written in red, it's really important. Well, my Bible tells me that the Word of God is His Word. The words that are in red letters that were quoted by Jesus are no more important than any other part of the Bible. Why be very careful with that? Because Jesus is the Word. He filled the mouths and the pens, or the pens in most of these guys' cases, and said, this is what you are to write. Their personality came through, but He gave them the Word, all Scripture is given by inspiration as, as profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and, and instruction in righteousness. Not just the red letters. And every once in a while I'll hear some pastor say, and it really bugs me when a pastor says it, it's written in red, so you got to really pay attention to this. Forget it. I would rather they just printed Bibles in black. <laughs> because if you, it's nice to know Jesus said this, but it's not any more important because it's all by inspiration. So just I don't know why I brought that out, but just, (laughs) I heard somebody say that here recently, so it's, (laughs) but um, not to compare ourselves, in verse 13, but we will not boast of the things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule of God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you, for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you, for we are come as far as you, also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things without measure, that is other man's labors, having but having hope when your faith is increased that you shall be enlarged by you by you according to our rule abundantly. Here Paul is saying, we're not going beyond what ourselves because we can't. He says we're going by God. and you know this is something that it's very interesting when we listen to preachers and stuff. Sometimes we think these guys are so wonderful and everything. I listen to lots of guys on the radio. And every once in a while I go, I wonder what this guy's like in his church when nobody else is around. Okay, What conversations does he have? What, how does he lift up? Does God come up in his conversations at all? Does the Bible come up in his conversations at all? And some of them, you're pretty sure they do because of the way they, the way they preach. Others, others, especially the weekend pastors on the radio, I sometimes listen to them and I'm going, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> he may be okay. But, you know, this is something I've shared. When you're with another Christian, does God come up ever? You know, and that doesn't mean you're going to talk about God every single minute of every single day. But if you spend an hour or two hours, three hours with somebody, does God come up in the conversation? Does God come up and say, you know what God did? You know, you know what he's been blessing? Did you? This is what I read in the scriptures. One of the things I want to start challenging our church on is to start looking at one another and say, what has God been sharing with you lately? You know, hopefully, everybody in this room and everybody in our church has God talking to them and they read their Bible. And I'd love to just start having us be able to share, this is what God has done. This is what God shared with me this week. One thing I can tell you for sure, it'll blow your mind what people learn from God. You know, some of the greatest lessons I have had from somebody is a brand new Christian that doesn't know hardly anything about the Bible, sharing what God shared with them <laughs> that morning or the day before. And I look at it and go, wow, that is just, that is just mind-boggling. I, I've never thought of that. Why? because they look at things totally different. than I have 40 years of looking at this. I kind of look at it the same way every time I look at it. You know, yes, every once in a while something will stand out and pop up fresh, but you get that new Christian who's never been taught how to look at the Bible and everything's brand new to them. They can give you the most interesting insights, and and your spirit just says, yeah, that's perfect. It matches everything else, and you go, that is fantastic. And I know most of them haven't believed me when I've told them that, that what they've told me is fantastic and very interesting. They think I'm just speaking nicely to them. But no, there are times when people have said some mind-blowing <laughs> revelations from the Scripture because they haven't gotten stuck in a one way to look at it. And, you know, every once in a while you hear something that just, no, it doesn't match up to Scripture. That wasn't from God. But, you know, most of the time, if they're really following God, God speaks. And this is the important thing, God will speak to us when we're reading his word. It doesn't matter whether we're 30 seconds old in Christ or 60 years old in Christ. He will give us, because the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches, teaches. He wrote the book, he knows what it says. And I've shared with you many times, you know, when I was a teenager, my family went to all kinds of different churches over the years. You know, Southern Baptist churches, other Baptist churches, charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches. And in my mid-teens, I got so confused sometimes, I would go, God, these all use the same verse, and they say things totally different. I need to know what this verse means. Well, the Holy Spirit would come, and he'd tell me what it meant. Later on, when I finally learned how to study the Bible and go into the Greek and the Hebrew, I found out that the Holy Spirit knew what he was talking about. Just amazing that he knew what he was talking about. (laughs) You know, you do not have to be a trained scholar in the Word for the Holy Spirit to explain the word to you. This is why when we did the How to Study the Bible class, the very first rule I gave you is that we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us what it means. Because that is the most important. I don't care what other commentators think and other great preachers think. You know, I want the Holy Spirit to share with me what it, what it means. Now they're not, again, I've just told you, I don't rule them out completely, but I say study. Ask God what it means, and then go and look over some of the commentators. Because those guys have a lot of wisdom and knowledge, and they've been places, and they've studied things that you may not be aware of. So it's not that they are totally worthless, but don't go to them first. (laughs) Because then you just get stuck reading it the way they think it should be read, and which goes back to what I was saying. New Christians read things sometimes in in such fresh outlook, and it's like, wow, I've never even thought about that before. And then once you open that one up, all of a sudden everything else that you know explodes. <laughs> you know, if that part is true, wow, look at how, the, how does that change these other verses that I, that, I, that I know. So don't ever think that you don't know about, about the Word, you, don't, you can't learn from it, because every single person has God in them. They have the Holy Spirit in them. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you, and he will explain the Word. And it is amazing. And I really want to encourage you, share what you learn with one another. Share it with me. I love, I love to hear things that people are learning from the Bible because it's so fresh. And even if it's something I've heard before, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, very good job. You're in your Bible. I, I used to do lots of question and answer periods in different Bible studies. And it used to be so funny because people go, I've got a really hard question for you. I'm going, I'm looking forward to it. And they'd give me their question, and it's something that five or six dozen people had asked. Did I tell him you know, that, that it was a you know, common question? No, I go, that's a very good question, let's give you the answer. Why? Because they had to get in the word to get the question in the first place. I wanted him in the word. And I've shared with you, my, son is about the, my oldest son is about the only one that comes up with, me with questions that are very hard for me. Because when he asks a question, he already knows how, what I've taught him over you know, 30 years. <laughs> so he knows a lot of stuff, he's done a lot of study on his own, when he asks a question, it's a hard question. And there's times I go, you know what, son, I've got a couple thoughts on that, but I'm going to have to go study on that before I, I give you anything. Would I love everybody in our church to give me those kind of questions? Absolutely. If you could all get so well versed in the scriptures that every one of your questions were, i got to go find out the answer for that, I'd love it. Give us 20 years. Give you 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it may not take 20 years, though, because when you're trained by somebody, you're, you're learning and you're, you're doing your own reading, you're doing your own study, you're listening to, to other pastors, it doesn't really take that long to, to fully learn because the Holy Spirit is one that teaches. And, but you're right in one sense. You know, I've got 40 years of long-term study because I started studying my scriptures at 10 years old. I got into a Bible study correspondence course and went through it by the time I was uh, 14. I was doing college level courses in, at the Moody Bible Institute. God put me into the Word, and I love it. So I've been, I've been studying for a long time, so to me, most of the questions are pretty simple. But, you know, every one of you could get there. You know, you just decide, I'm going to really study your Word, God, and the Holy Spirit. Share. And he's, God is more than happy to take somebody who wants to learn and teach them. And that's part of what being a pastor, being a teacher is all about. You just love to teach people. And the greatest news is I think it was last week I actually started the Bible study because nobody was here and they thought, you know, they finally got here about 10 minutes after and thought I was crazy. But it is so much easier to teach a group of people and be able to respond on, on, on feeding on whether they're accepting it and, and, and looking at it. Or they're giving you blank stares like, when is this guy going to stop talking? But when you're talking to just empty chairs, they all give you blank stares that are like, when is this guy going to stop talking? And because we're on the internet, I have to teach, even if it's the blank chairs. And I don't have to do that very often, but every once in a while, I give the message because there are people on the internet that want to hear it. Most of the guys from the 40s and 50s were in their office just preaching to a tape recorder. So I have great respect, you know, having done that on a couple of occasions. I have great respect for how much they could do, you know, doing a whole ministry like that. It is very hard because you're going. Does anybody? Am I saying anything anybody cares about? Because you start listening to yourself and saying that sounds so stupid, but I'm going to keep going, and you don't know whether it's valid. Anybody's going to care? Anybody? You know, because there's at least when you're in this, you see that nah, nobody seems to be paying attention. Let's change, <laughs> let's, let's change the direction a little bit, or. Well, it didn't really sound like it was very good, but everybody seems to be tuned into it. And so you, you do play off your audience. And uh, audiences, if you ever have done any teaching to people, when you teach, you really get pulled out by somebody who really wants to hear. You know, And they're showing you that they want to learn, and you see it in their eyes, and you can go. Like my dad, when he was over overseas you know, with these people that just wanted to learn, they were so hungry they they were just going on and on and on and on and on, teaching. I've spent spent all these years teaching, and I love to just share the what's most important to me, which is the Bible. Yeah, you know, I don't like to talk about sports that much. I can talk about sports. I can talk about a lot of different topics, but you know, if you really want to get me going, get me on the be <laughs> in the Bible, because this is my life. When I first moved to to uh, Kingman, I worked for this guy, and he I stopped working for him and. After I met him about four years later, and he goes, well, what are you doing? I'm going to pastor of a church. And he goes, well, that makes sense. You always wanted to talk about God. <laughs> uh, and I go, well, yeah. But you know, there is times when we, we can talk about God, and there's times when we're not. And sometimes people would, at workplaces, well, well, I got fired because, uh, because I was a Christian. Well, what do you mean? Well, I was, pre- I was ta- witnessing. I go, were you being paid to witness? No. Were you on break? No. You know. Then you deserve to get fired. They go, well, you can't tell me that. And I go, yeah, I can. If if you were being paid to do something else, you better be doing the something else. When you're on break, do whatever you want. Uh, before and after work, do whatever you want. But during work, you do your work. This is important. When I talk to people, I talk to them on break, on I'm talking, you know, moving around, or you know, but when I'm teaching a class or giving tests or whatever it might be that I'm doing. That is time that I'm paid by them to do very specific things and that's what I'm going to do. But you know for us as Christians does God come up in our conversations? Do people look at you and say, you know, wonder when they're going to start talking about God again? <laughs> My family all knows eventually I'm going to talk about God. Just the way it is. You know, again, not that I'm going to do it every single second. We're playing games or something. That's a time just to have some fun. Sitting down, watching a movie or something—that's fun. But if we're talking, God's going to come up. You know, His opinion on things is going to come up, because that's how important He is to me. And I hope that's the way it is in your life. And we've shared that with many people. Verse fourteen: For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we have, as though we reached not unto you, for we are, we are come as far as unto you also in the preaching of the gospel of Christ. He says you know we're not we're not stretching beyond it but we're preaching the gospel. And again it's amazing what God can do through us. Now when when you just take and start talking about God it's an amazing thing. You start telling people what you've learned from God what you've been reading in the Bible. I had my first time that I was teaching Sunday school at age 14. You know, mostly because nobody else wanted to teach it and I was working with the Royal Ambassador Service Brigade and they go, you gotta do something in the church and I really didn't want to be an u- usher. That was what most of the guys did. They went to be ushers. So I started teaching the Sunday School class. and It was so fun. All of these fourth graders, you know, that these guys that are only five years younger than me are listening to me. Put a lot of pressure on me because now I had to be in God's Word for another reason to be able to, to share with them. did my first sermon at age 15. Again, with the royal ambassadors who took over the Sunday service. All the other guys wanted to be the ushers. <laughs> I got to be the, the, the pastor for that day. Scary, scary time in front of all the adults. I practiced and practiced my message. I had it down to about a 20, 25-minute message, and I got done in 10. <laughs> if anybody's ever stood in front of a group, you know what that is. All of a sudden, everything you wanted to say speeds up. And next thing you know, you've run out of your message, you've run out of your, your words, and you look down at your watch or the clock, or look up at the clock, and it's like, I have no more to say. We're done. Paul is saying, we stretched ourselves to preach and teach. We're giving you everything we have. And, you know, most pastors and teachers want the people to grow more than they do. You know, greatest thing for parents is we want to see our kids do better than we do and for me I want to see my kids do spiritually better than I've done and I've set a high standard because my dad set a high standard for me and I think I've surpassed him in many areas and I hope that my kids surpass me and I want to help my grandkids surpass their parents. I would love to see them get such a strong hold on the Word of God at a young age. A young age because it is so sad we watch people not paying attention to God's Word when, they, when they're even kids who grow up in a church it just becomes so many stories for them you know well I know this story I know that story I know I know what that book's about I know it. and they stop seeing the God behind the book and they just get very familiar with it you know you get kids in sixth seventh eighth grade they've been in church all their life and you go to tell them the story of David and Goliath Know that story. I know everything there is. Well, do you know everything there is to know about that story? I don't even know everything there is to know about that story, and I'm telling it to you. But it is so easy to get very familiar with God's word and just say, you know, heard it, been there, done that. It's our human nature. Been there, done that. Have You know, That's why sin no, doesn't hold its, hold uh, its, you know, what's the right word? Pleasure after, after a season of time because you've been there. You know, you've, you've had so many drinks. You're used to the high that the drinks are. You're still, you're, and you're getting sensitized to it. You can't get there anymore. Uh, we can get that way with God's, God and his word too. Okay, God, what have you done for me lately? I mean, I've, I've read this stuff. You know, is there anything new? Yeah, I find his word new every, every time I get into it. And I've shared with you. There's so many times I get in there and I and look at the word and you know, And I and I do actually tell God, God, when did you put that verse in there? It's never been there before. I've been reading it for 40 years and it's never been there before. I don't remember reading it. Well, I know, you know, in my mind I know that it's always been there. I know for a fact that it's always been there. But you know, I just kind of tease God. and go, God, I've never seen that. I've read this I've read this book, uh, this chapter, this verse hundreds of times it seems like, and I've never noticed that. And God's saying, see, new. New and fresh. His word is new and fresh if we're just coming at it with the right attitude. If I'm looking at it, well, God, I've got to read my Bible because it's something I've got to do today. And we just read it as if we're reading any other book. It's like, okay, got my Bible read today. (laughs) Put it up on the shelf. Nothing on it. God's saying, I have so much for you. His mercies are new every morning. And he's ready to reach out and reach out to us. Verse 15, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of, a man, of other man's labor, but having hope when your faith is increased that you shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Paul's saying, I'm looking for you. What did I just say? I hope my kids all surpass me spiritually as well as financially in every other way. But for me, spiritually is so much more important. I want to see them grow spiritually. And I can't, I can't be the only one that ever feeds them. I'm not the only one that's ever going to feed all of you in this, in this church. We need other people. We need other pastors. That's why I listen to as many pastors as I do, just so I can get fed. And every once in a while, get, they get stuck on a message all week long. And it seems like every one of them is talking straight at me on something I need to hear. And I go, you know, go God, I heard it the first five dozen times. I don't need to keep hearing it. But obviously I needed to hear it, otherwise God wouldn't have pounded it into my head. You know, and we shared this, you know, in the Bible, God keeps repeating himself. It's an amazing thing to me that God repeats himself so much in the Bible. His patience is phenomenal. He just knows that we as human beings are hard-headed. He knows that we're forgetful. Because he keeps telling us, remember, remember. Remember, and then and then the next book we the next book we go into he repeats the message all over again, and then he repeats the message all over again. Uh, there's so many times when I sometimes get done going, didn't I just preach this? No, oh, that was two weeks ago in this other book. Yeah. You know, this, and then because God is trying to make sure we remember, He knows that we're human beings. He knows we're that we have the flesh. He knows that we forget, and He just keeps pounding it into our heads. Hopefully, that if he pounds it in deep enough, we will remember. And, you know, this is what I said. Many things, it's taken me 40 years to learn. I spent the first 10 years just skimming over things, getting excited about what I read, but skimming over everything. And over the next 30 years, it's been digging deeper into these things. And, wow, God, there is just so much there. I can't, am- I can't think of any book out there that, that is like the Bible, where there's something new, every time you read it. Now I have a couple stories, I like the stories and I've read them dozens of times over the years. But I don't find anything new in them, they're just good stories. Sometimes I'll remember, you know, see a fact that I didn't remember before, but nothing earth shattering. But the Bible has so much new in it every single time I study. And Paul is saying, you know, we're hoping, we're boasting that you are going to get there. You are going to get there and be abundant, and I love this word, abundant, and this word literally is super abundant, that you're going to get so full of God, so full of his knowledge, that it is going to be super overflowing. And My hope for us in this church is we have people that get super (coughs) overflowing in their love for God and their knowledge of God and their desire to seek after God. Because I would love to see where this church would go if people really got on fire for God. Really on fire for God. Can you imagine if every single person in this church, and we don't have a whole lot of people, but you know, if every single person in this church led somebody to Christ and started discipling them. And then brought them in church. We'd have sixty people overnight. Fifty or sixty people overnight. That would be exciting. But you know, unfortunately, most Christians never go out and share their faith with anybody, hardly. And that's the one thing we're commanded to do, go and teach and disciple. And it wasn't just to the disciples, it wasn't just to pastors, it wasn't just to teachers. Every one of us is called to teach and disciple. Whether it's our own children, our own family, a good friend that we've led to Christ, we're all called to disciple. For many years, my disciples were my four children, plus all the other Sunday school teaching <laughs> classes I had. But primarily, it was my children. They were with me 24 hours a day. Well, except when they went to school and I went. You know, but every day. They got to see whether I lived out Christianity or not. You know, and this is so important. Do we live it out? Is there something that we're living that people say, that's you know, maybe weird. They may be weird. They don't think the way we do. But they go, you're different. They understand you don't speak the way they do, they don't act the way they do, and you still can be a person. You can still enjoy sports and all these other things. Uh, but you know, do they recognize that you're different? You know, I can't watch most of what's on TV because, to me, it's just not. You know, especially in the comedies just aren't funny. They make fun of marriage. They make fun of of everything that God calls good, and I'm going. To, I just don't find this stuff funny. And there's things that, you know, it took me years to get there. (laughs) I I watch a show that I watched and enjoyed, you know, 30 years ago and go, I used to think the show was really good. I'm going, yuck, what an awful show. How could I have ever watched this show? But, you know, that's part of our growth with God, you know. Our growth with God. I spend more time reading books now than I do just about anything else because I want to learn. I I want to learn. I want to see. And I want to encourage each one of us to stretch ourselves. You know, really get into God's word and learn. Listen to other good pastors. And I I want to emphasize good pastors. Make sure that they're pastors that are preaching the word of God correctly. Because when you're listening to the radio and and especially the TV, there's a lot of pastors that aren't worth listening to. They just aren't. they're, They're watering down the word. They're not preaching the word. The radio is usually better than the TV, but there's good pastors on TV and there's good pastors on the radio. But there's also a lot of bad ones out there. Be careful who you listen to and fill your mind with. And if you're in God's word, it doesn't take long. There's times when I'd be just having the radio on in the background, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will say, pay attention to what that guy's saying, it's not worth listening to. And I start listening, and going, wow. What, what is this guy doing on the radio? You know, but you know, God's Holy Spirit will teach us. And this is so important. You know, uh, Lost in Space had the robot that said, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson. You know, I kind of figure that, you know, the Holy Spirit can be like that to us sometimes. Danger, Ralph, danger, Ralph. You know, you're, you're not where you're supposed to be. And the, the important thing is, do we listen? You know, do we listen to that danger alarm? And and that show, and that, he didn't always listen to the robots you know, <laughs> telling him that it was danger, and that was when he got into trouble. We get into trouble when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit saying danger, and have those alarm bells going on in our head. You know, what should I do in this situation? Well, I could either tell the truth or I could tell a lie. Danger, danger, danger. I think I'll tell the lie. (laughs) You know, uh, and you know, we need to be very careful to listen to God and the Holy Spirit. To be able to say, God, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you in all that I do. And this is what Paul's talking about. In verse 16, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in any other man's line of things, which made ready to our hand. But he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that is commended himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. So as Paul was telling them here, you know, I'm going to other places. Yeah, I've, been, I've been reading a book about the 12 apostles and the different places that they've been either said to go or where there's historical references to go. And do you know that all 12 of the apostles went way beyond Israel other than James who got killed in Israel and there's some people that believe he made it to Spain before he came back and got killed but you've got Thomas who died in India preaching the gospel you've got visitors to England who preached the gospel message and started Christian churches in England and Gaul and, and the Franks and all these different places where the gospel message was preached and Paul was saying, I want to get out. I want to get out and talk to these people. I've got to preach. I've got to tell. We've got to spread the gospel message. And he's saying, you know, we're not going to boast on what others are doing. This is something that we can be very cautious of. We talk a lot about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and supporting the missionaries. And we talk about how our gifts get us rewards for talking to those missionaries, helping those missionaries preach the gospel. But that doesn't let us off the hook to share the gospel. You now, I just, if I gave millions of dollars to, to support missionaries, it doesn't get me off the hook to go and share the gospel with people. I still have to share the gospel myself. Yes, it'll be blessings, it'll be the, the greatness of helping others do that work, but ultimately it comes down to God, what have I personally done for you? And it'll be great in heaven. You give to the missionaries and you get to heaven and the guys that got saved from the missionaries, yeah, you kept them on the field. You, you're part of the reason I'm here. That'll be great. And it'll be wonderful. But does your family know Jesus? Are they going to be in heaven? Have you shared the gospel with your family and know that they have the chance to get to heaven? How about your best friend? Does your best friend know that you're a Christian and know that they need Jesus? These are all important things for us that we need to be out and saying, God, I'm, I'm going to open my mouth and talk once in a while. I'm going to share the gospel. People need to know that we are weird and strange people. Because as Christians, we are weird and strange people. Okay? We don't accept the sins that the world accepts. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't find things funny that the world finds funny. We don't, we don't want to do things that are wrong if we're following Christ. And the people are gonna go, well you're just so you're so strange. You don't you don't wanna to go to the bar and get drunk tonight? Nope, not particularly. You know, you don't you don't wanna go sleeping around and, and trying out different different people? Nope. God says that's a sin. I don't want to do that either. Well what do you want to do? Well, I'd like to have a Bible study. You wanna have a Bible study? No, I don't want to have a Bible study. You know, you you, you guys are weird. You, 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 want those Bible, you want those old words taught to you? And well, if you read the words you wouldn't think that they were old. When God describes our world in the Bible, there's nothing old about it. He has the answers to the problems because none of the problems are new. It's an amazing thing, every time we read the God's word, that everything that we think is so new and such a big problem in our day and age has happened somewhere in the Bible. Maybe not exactly. Maybe not exactly the same way. You know, Maybe it wasn't a television show that put him up. But he'll talk about entertainment, You know. Getting to you, he'll talk about the palace intrigue and all the stuff going behind the scenes of the of the king and you know uh, gossip and all these things going on. You know, it's an amazing thing to read God's word and say, "Yeah, you know, okay, God, what you know? Am I reading the newspaper? You just you, you we change the names and we could have the we could have the same things going on? And yes, that is the true thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Yes, some of the delivery, you know." Uh, pornography has always been out there. The only thing different now is we can see it on our computers and our, and our smartphones and, and all of that. if you, few, if you, uh, half a generation back, you had to get, get magazines. You know, go back a little bar, further back, it was all in paintings and art. Go back a little further back into Jesus' time, there were cities that had statues that were nothing but pornography, driving you into to lascivious activities. There's nothing new. Maybe the way we deliver it is slightly new, but there's nothing new about what's being delivered. It's just easier to deliver it. And so, we as, pre- as we preach God's word, we now have other ways to preach His word. We have the radio, we have TV, we have CDs, we have you know, old school tapes. <laughs> you know, uh, before, you actually had to go to the church and listen to the pastor, or the Bible study at a home and listen to the pastor. And they preached for long times. Uh, In the 1700s, the pastors there was going to come a time when people will not endure three hours of message. God is—if God is teaching you, you can't stop teaching. Just because the time, you know, the timepiece says time is over, and I and I try to respect the clock. I mean, I'm not trying to go to two, three o'clock. Now, if we have people going, we want to have two-hour services, be my guest, we'll have a two-hour service. I'll find, we'll find other speakers and everything to have a two-hour service. If we want three-hour service, I'll, you know, I look forward to the day when people want to hear God's word that much. Uh, in the old days, when they used the bells to call to worship, you know, people would come to church, you would, you would have a message that lasted until 1 o'clock or so. You would take a break, and you'd come back together after everybody had lunch, and you'd go for another two or three hours. Church bells aren't as important in our day and age because they used to be used when the farmers were all around town and most of them didn't have clocks. So you would, about 20 minutes, by the 20 minutes before time to start church because you wanted to get the outskirts people, you would play your bells. And that's that's why they were called the call to worship. And people would come to church when they heard the bells ringing. Not as much need for them in our day and age. People kind of nostalgic about it. All right, our last, last verse here. But he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. For he, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. All of our glory needs to be in God. If you lead somebody to to Christ, you're not, you weren't number one. Probably the ver- first person to ever talk to them. It's God working on them. It is said that most people need to hear the gospel message five to seven times before they're going to respond. So if you get to lead somebody to Christ, you were probably not the very first person who ever talked to them. It would be very rare. Most of the time, you get to plant a seed in somebody's mind. Maybe you're the one watering that seed. And every once in a while, you get the great fortune of being able to lead them to Christ and see the change in their their life. Don't ever try to take credit for anything that's done by God for yourself. Glory in God. And the more we glory in him, the more he'll use us. Believe me, there's people that get used, and they know that it's God. My job is just a real simple one. I just open my mouth and talk. That's all that God is asking us to do. Open our mouth and let him fill it. And this is why I said this morning, when we're sharing the gospel, we're really just telling him, what has God done for me? Because people can't argue with that. Yeah. You know, God has changed me. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I don't know if you, I care whether you believe me. God's changed me. You know, when you know that you know something, people can't convince you that you don't know it. If you have God in your heart and he is changing you, you can tell people and whether they listen to you really doesn't matter or not. I know what God's done for me. He's changed my life. He can change your life. And maybe just one time when you share that, it'll be the person who needs it. And each one of us have things in our life that makes it easy for us to be able to talk to somebody else. You know, there's people that I could not witness to very easily, not because I don't know the, the, the gospel, not because I don't know that God is powerful over sin, but a lot of times people go, well, you just don't know what it's like to have been in this area. Well, you're right. I don't know what it's like to be in that area, but I do know what sin is like. But, there, but the problem is when somebody is in a particular sin, for them, that sin is all-encompassing. Well, you don't know what it's like to drink, you're right, I don't know what it like to drink, but I've had many other activities that have caused problems. One thing I've learned over the years is that all sin is pretty much the same. It's evil in God's eyes. It all has addictive nature to it. You know, the problem that we have as individuals though is, well, well you've never experienced my sin, you've never been stuck on drugs, you've never been stuck on alcohol, you've never been stuck in, in sexual activities, you just don't know Are there big problems in my life that are big to me? And they all have the same problems. But so there are people that I can share with them. I can share with them the power of God, the power of victory over sin. But you may be just the person that they need to talk to because you've been where they're at and and God deliver you. And it's very important as we go about just sharing. Sharing what God has done. All right, we're going to close. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we've had to look at your word. Lord, we ask that you help us to always be looking to glorify you in our lives, in our words, in everything that we do, that you will be glorified. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.